Glenn Beck. <laughs> Why? What makes you what makes you think that I know well, anything about Islam? I okay, know very well, maybe, little about Islam. Maybe not so much Islam, but at least you've um you've dwelled with a lot of people that at least believe like in your military service, you know, bumped arms with people that live culturally under Islam. Yeah, I, we actually had a Muslim friend of mine who lived with us for about a year when uh, we lived in Georgia. Yeah. So, which was which was fun. Um, by the way, hey, uh, we're live. <laughs> so, <laughs> welcome everyone to Bible and Banter. Uh, you're just—I I had to go live. Um, you have like a certain amount of time that you can go live with Facebook, at least once you hit like the the time that you're supposed to go live. And um, so you you got to hear some of the conversation that, that Mike and I were having because right now uh, Mike is wrapping Christmas presents. So, you know, we've seen Mike do all kinds of things on the show and not give us attention. <laughs> hey, I'm getting I feel out like, of the way early. <laughs> I feel like I feel I wonder if this is how Erica feels when you guys are like trying to Netflix and chill and you're trying to watch like a game on your phone. Actually, the other roles reversed, but anyway. No, no, no. A couple months ago, you had mentioned that when you guys are, are Netflixing, that you some you'll look at your phone and sometimes have uh, have a, have a game on your phone. Yes, like on Monday Night Football when the Pats are playing. Yeah, or or Sunday Night Football. Yes, that is true. Okay. Okay. Well, this is so. Uh, last week, Mike, you and Erica got a gift from from Robin and I. Mostly from I, but uh, <laughs> you know, I want to give some credit to Robin. Um, how for those who who don't know, who don't follow you on Facebook, yeah. Um, what what what'd you get in the mail, man? Well, we got a wonderful Christmas card. Uh, from the the Reynolds household, and also a scented Christmas tree candle. This is true. And the the card was wonderful. It was it was my kind of card, and because I'm not, I don't like birthday cards, Christmas card, greeting cards of any kind, because I just find they're a waste of money. But I also understand there's a large section of people that are encouraged and appreciate them. Um, but I, it, of, of all types of cards, I appreciate more like the picture ones where it's more personal, like family, uh -huh. picture, family but anyway. Um, but, uh, this card had a cat on the front of it and it said, have a meowy Christmas. And on the inside, it said something like have a, and a very meowy new year or something like that. Um, but when you opened it. And it had a nice little note on the inside. And, and a nice little note about how you love co-laboring and our friendship and family, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But when you open it, it started to sing. A, a, a choir of people singing meow, 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 but to the tune of, I think it was um, Carol of the Bells. It was meow, people meow. meowing. People meowing. People meowing, yeah. Which is all great and good, but normally when you close one of those cards, it stops singing. Mm -hmm. Or if you press the button that says press here, it'll stop singing. This did not stop singing. Um, it played from two o'clock in the two fifty in the afternoon until probably close to six o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. um, and my wife kept it on the porch, and so even the cold winter temperatures couldn't stop it. 
And so I did a live thing talking about it because I realized on the back, I'm like, this is a prank card. And on the back of the card, it says Joker. Um, and so I did a live stream about this card. And, and then you, you commented, well, you put most people just rip it open to get it to stop. Yada, yada, yada. Well, when you suggest solutions, I automatically think there's something more. And so I did another live stream and, and gently opened it and voila, what was in the middle of it, but glitter. Had I just ripped into it, there would have been a nice dump of glitter everywhere. Um, but anyway, I have also gone on to realize that I have not lit the candle yet, but, a, but the candle is also a prank candle that uh, after about five hours, it will cease smelling like a Christmas tree. It will smell like something else, but we are not going to tempt that. We are actually going to use that in other nefarious ways. Oh, really? <laughs> so we spent probably a half hour uh, talking about that candle at home. <laughs> We're like, what? What are the Alex's going to do? Uh, are they going to blame? Are Are they going to blame the result of that candle on their children, um, <laughs> or are they going to regift it? And are we going to feel guilty about that at all? And my conclusion was that I would have no guilt. I would feel zero guilt. Um, so actually, let me let me see yeah. if I can. Oh, do I this. would no. If if we hadn't figured it out, no guilt whatsoever. Never feel guilty about pranking me or my family in in a kind way, in a kind-hearted, mm -hmm. you know, fun-loving way. Because um, I would feel no guilt doing that to you. So, so Mike, I, can you see this? Yes. Okay. I'm going to play this for everyone. Okay. This is your fate. This is your live video from last week when you got the card. Yeah. Well, hello, Facebook uh, land. If you can hear this wonderful uh, sound in the background, uh, my wonderful friend, Eric Reynolds and his family sent us a, uh, Nice gift in the mail. The first thing was this nice scented candle, Christmas tree, which was very nice. But they also sent us this. I had not figured out it was a prank candle yet. And this was about around, what, 2.50, Erica? 2.50 in the afternoon that we opened it. And as you can hear, it says, in a Miaui New Year. And it makes songs. We, we pressed the button. It says press. Um, and it plays this song. Okay, well, yeah, but it also says to press. We just opened the car. Um, and I just want you to notice something. Closing it doesn't stop it. Um, opening doesn't stop it. Pressing the button doesn't stop it and look this oh songs ended right no no since two o'clock two fifty fifty minutes after two o'clock this has been going on so we are coming close to three hours of this eric has been keeping it on the porch I, I've, I've had many singing cards in the past, but none that, that, thank you, Eric. We love you. 
Yeah. So that was, uh, I can't tell you how many times I watched that video, Mike. <laughs> it was incredible. I really, really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm so happy. thank you. I'm happy yeah, that you. you have received so much joy and pleasure from that. Uh, what did the kids think? <laughs> they they were annoyed by it. <laughs> like it was a little fun at first, but they they're like, "Why did you bring it back in the house?" <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. That brings me so much joy. Well, thank you, Mike, for being a good sport. Now, anything you send to me, I will not open inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> No, and and we st- we have been using the candle because it does smell like Christmas tree. It does smell like a Christmas okay, tree. okay. Um, but uh, we haven't lit it or anything. But what I have been using it is our daily COVID checks to see if our kids can smell it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, you're welcome, Mike. Merry Christmas to Merry you, Christmas. to Erica, to the boys. Um, I still haven't received whatever it is you guys were going to send me in the mail. Um, so you know what? I, f- I feel even less guilty about it because <laughs> I have been waiting, waiting with bated breath each and every single day when I either go to the mailbox or the kids come back from the mailbox and they hand me the stack of mail, most of which I just toss out. Um, you know, uh, th- there's nothing there from the Alex family. So brings kind of hurts my feelings well to be honest up until now i did feel bad that we've delayed but now i don't feel bad that we've <laughs> delayed. so neither of us are feeling guilty right now <laughs> okay that's fair that's fair uh, um dude big so i re- talking about mail i re- and i forgot to bring in the office i meant to um but i received a letter from the institution in which you are the chairman of the board that I'm not, being i'm not i'm not currently chairman any longer recently left the position of chairman of the board but you're still on the board right is that Mm -hmm. correct okay correct yes um and are you remaining on the board for the foreseeable future or are you also no longer going to be on that board i will probably be stepping down at at the next round of of nominations oh okay okay Uh, i'm sorry if that was too per i didn't uh i probably should have asked fine okay Um, so I, I hope you told, uh, the rest of the folks that, but, uh, anyway, I received a wonderful letter. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about that? The, the big news out of Berkshire? <laughs> no, you can talk about it. You don't know what it is. I'm on, I honestly am not quite sure what it is. Okay. So it might not guys, be big to me cause I know about it. So it might not okay, be big. So you guys, you guys must have recently talked about this at, at your most recent board meeting, but um, Berkshire has appropriated funds for further scholarship to Gordon Conwell theological seminary. So for all those who are, um, who are enrolled or will enroll at Gordon Conwell, not only will you receive the 50% scholarship for tuition, meaning um, Gordon Conwell is an incredibly expensive seminary, you'll get a 50% discount um, through Berkshire Christian College, uh, making it far more affordable. But you can also receive up to $500 per semester for two semesters per year. Okay, yes. Yeah, we, the, yeah, we voted on that on our last Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. See, in in all my my thought process was, 
I wish we could do more. And so I guess I didn't think of that as being so significant, but I can understand why, especially for someone currently seeking a degree that is a, that is a big boost, a big help. I mean, 500 bucks is a lot of money. So, so when yeah. you look at it at Gordon Conwell, you're talking, you know, with the 50% scholarship, you're talking around a thousand dollars a class. Um, so that $500 really, that's a significant help, you know, um, especially for those who, who are maybe in a, not a financially advantageous position. Um, so that's, that's really exciting. Now I think the cap is like three K a year. Um, that's how it read at least. So yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Now the one thing I have not talked to, to our president about is whether or not that's a retroactive. Um, I need to ask him if I can use that for, uh, semesters that I attended. Uh, for what you want you want to get paid you want to get paid for all all the classes you took yep towards student loans and such wow uh yeah okay i I doubt that i doubt that but um that's that's incredibly generous you know i know here we've talked about scholarships and theological education here on the podcast before but um the southern region offers i think it's like one thousand per semester for up to two semesters a year um, my conference offers something that's similar to what Berkshire is offering now. So depending on where you're located, um, you could you could conceivably get your master's degree now for free or clo- or as close to it uh, as possible. Um, so that's that's really exciting. I, I just want to thank Berkshire for that um, because I'm sure that took uh, you know that takes takes some risk and you know you're dedicating. Um, dedicating a lot of money to the the education of of current and future pastors within our denomination. So thank you, Berkshire. Yep. And I'm pretty sure, actually, let me, give me a minute. Let me look that up because I think it's, I think we voted on to give more than just to, for Gordon Conwell as well. I, I did not receive a letter along those lines. So okay. you I might wonder, not want you might not want whatever you may true. or may you might not uh, want to share. That. You know what you you know why you received that letter because I think you are considered currently an enrolled or part of the Advent Christian Studies program. Yeah, I'm still technically enrolled, um, yeah. and you and I have That's had some I mean. conversations about that, but uh, I'm not ready to to divulge my educational uh, situation and how that's evolved, but. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Gordon Conwell, solid, uh, solid professors there. Um, I've got nothing but good things to say about the professors I've interacted with. So, mm-hmm. um, good school, good school. Frustration in other areas, but good school. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's exciting, Mike. Thank you, thank you for your work, dedication, and I'm not at all being sarcastic uh, in in my way of saying that. So which is a rarity. Well, you're welcome. I have been honored to serve. Okay. Well, good. (laughs) Uh, So what else is new for, for Mike and the Alex's? Oh, just trying to slog our way through the holidays. Uh Uh-huh. That's it. Finishing up the wrapping and everything, trying to, you know, prepare for Advent Sundays and for Christmas Eve and, trying to plan for vacation right after Christmas, the last one of the year. And, and, uh, but no, kids are good. Families, family's good. Um, put together a kitchen Island this weekend. I saw that. I saw that. 
Uh, it looks really good, man. It looks nice. I will tell you. I mean, ever since IKEA came into biz business, you know, places will sell furniture and then you assemble it yourself, and um, and it always goes easier in my mind than it actually does. But this was actually pretty okay. There were a few bumps in the road and headaches, but I'm because like we were gonna order one that like from an actual furniture store like locally, but it just wouldn't have fit. So. We the only way we could find the dimensions that worked right for our house was like through like a Wayfair or, or something like that. And I'm always skeptical about the sturdiness and quality and how long things of that nature will last on top of, if I'm putting something together, there's a good chance I'm going to either over tighten something or break something while I'm putting it together. And um, so far that really didn't, I did almost break one of the drawers, but thankfully um, I was able to, fix it for for now but um, no it came together pretty well i think it seems pretty pretty sturdy thankfully no pieces were missing I, I mean for the for the stool chairs that we got there were a couple uh spring washers missing but those aren't a huge deal mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and that's ex actually the reason we bought <laughs> mark the reason we bought it wasn't was because we had some uh, some housing allowance we needed to, to use before the end of the year. That's so, awesome. That's yeah. awesome. That's good. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, we we should do a whole. I think we've done a couple of episodes about uh, I think finances and pastors and clergy and all that. Um, it is a. It's surprising to me how little some pastors know. I think I told this story before, but I, I knew of one church that. Um, they 1099 to their, their pastor. And I'm not talking about Luke, um, although Luke is one of them. But uh, another in this church in particular that I have in mind, they 1099 to their, uh, their pastor, and he wasn't paying any income tax. Like he wasn't – he was like, no, no, no you just pay me. Uh, pay me out of 1099, and we'll call it a day. I was like, man. Man, if IRS gets wind of that, he's in trouble. Yeah. But you know what they say, snitches get stitches, so I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, so that's that's about it. Um, but no, if we were to ever do that, I'd like to not just get a discussion between you and I, but maybe get professional on the show. Yes, yeah. To kind of like run us through. Because I've always, I still to this day wonder, like, what exactly is included? Can you spend your money on housing allowance? It, so there's some I, gray area in my mind. but So every year I actually itemize what money is going to what, and I always underestimate. So um, like my, <clears throat> when I first started here at the church, so I, I looked at the, I, we have two CPAs in our, in our church and I have a separate CPA that does my taxes. And um, so one of the CPAs had sent me essentially the whole IRS guidelines for clergy and what categories can fit where. And I, I essentially broke out those categories on a sheet mm -hmm. and I have the church, uh, I have our, our, our official board vote on that every single year um, and adjust it accordingly, you know, as how I want it adjusted. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And you can change it mid year if you want to. I did this last year um, when my mother passed away, uh, I inherited a Roth IRA and um, because it's in, because it, I inherited it and I would not be 60 
the age is like 60, 65. At my age, it doesn't matter because I'm so far away from that age. But um, essentially, if you're not going to hit that age within 10 years, you have to essentially take that amount of money. And it's not only is it tax, taxed, plus you're going to pay a penalty, you also have to um, take it as income. So like depending on where you're at on an income scale, that can drastically change like health insurance and all kinds of other things. So um, what I did last year was I took a certain amount out um, because I wanted to do something to my house that was not reflected in my housing allowance and then adjusted my housing allowance. So essentially I took this money out. Let's just, I'm not going to tell you how much it was, but let's say it was a thousand dollars. So took out the thousand dollars of that IRA and then adjusted my housing allowance to increase by a thousand dollars so that it wouldn't affect my, my income bracket. So, and I had like two different CPAs for like, yes, you can, you know, I, I didn't just do it on the fly. Like I, I really. Did your church I, vote on changing your. Yes. Yeah. Cause that, that's key is to have yeah. your church vote the change. Yeah. Which is really awkward. Like it's really, cause, cause now I have to like go in front of, my official board, which makes up almost 30 people and then be like, Hey, so this is the change. This is why. And, and like, I don't know, man, like I just feel really weird telling someone, Hey, I inherited this, you know, this money and now I have to adjust my income. It just, I don't know. It just, I, those things are uncomfortable for me. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you. But yeah. I'd be, yeah, because I've seen, I think uh, the denomination for the retirement has like one of those forms that like you kind of have to say what you're going to use it for so they can know how much to give you for, to count your retirement as housing allowance. Mm, okay. Um, but uh, no, I, but even in that, there's still some gray area in my mind of what would count as housing allowance. Yeah. Mark asked, there are 30 people on your board. Uh, it's like, tw- I think it's 27, maybe we might have like, it's about to, so all of our deacons, so we have, um, eight deacons and deaconesses that's 16 right there. Um, plus, uh, our two pastors, that's 18 plus, you know, all these, you know, many, we have like, f- I think we have four trustees. So now you're already at 22. So yeah, it's actually probably more than 27, 20, 27 to 30, I think. So, um, yeah, yeah. It, I'm not advocating for that, Mark. I'm just telling you what reality is, and Mark understands what that means. But, um, yeah. So, anyway, uh, we're talking about motivation and resilience today. I added motivation. I didn't tell you that part. But uh, we're going to talk about stuff, man. So, um so I kind of got like, I kind of got on this kick. Do you ever watch those Facebook reels? It's kind of, it's kind of like TikTok, but on Facebook and they include like all stuff from Instagram and, and I think TikTok and also, I don't know if it's Facebook specific videos, but it's really interesting. Um, Cause I watched some of the stuff and uh, someone was talking about uh, how they, you know, how they stay, motivator the importance of motivation the importance of resilience and how a lot of people just as soon as they uh like come up against some kind of adversity they just shut down and they and they just like they turtle right like they go into their shell and and 
Like that's, that's how they spend most of their life. And um, I just thought, man, how many, you know, how many people who might be viewers of our show or, or people might benefit from a real discussion about like, what is resiliency? How do you stay motivated in life? Um, You know, this guy wasn't a Christian, but you know, I think, I think it's an important factor to um, for us as, as we persevere, not only in the faith, because perseverance is, is the idea that you're always in the faith, right? Like you never withdraw from the faith. You never recant the faith or anything like that. But we're talking about like being able to like daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, continually drive on despite the circumstances that, that you might come across. So I think that's, I think that was kind of really, really important. So um, this will be the last episode that we do of 20, 21. So the next time we come on will be in early January of 2022. So I think this is a pretty good episode or a pretty good topic for us to talk about as people are probably considering what 22, what 2022 is going to hold for them moving forward. So nice. Good, good thinking. Yeah. Well, thank you, Michael. Thank you. Um, so resilience, man, what do you, as you've pondered this, what do you like, how, what's your do you have like a working definition? Like when you think about resilience, what does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? <laughs> Not quitting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. And, and you've been the pat, you've been the pastor of your church for what? 13 years? No, I've, uh, no, I've been at the church for 13, but I've been the pastor for 11. Okay. Yeah. And this is your first church? Correct. So you've been a pastor essentially for, a little over 10 years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was ordained the day before I was installed. Okay. Yeah. Almost like, uh, instead of a shotgun wedding, it was a shotgun uh, um, ordination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> Were you the one carrying the shotgun or the church? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, back then, no one was carrying a shotgun, but the church probably is now. <laughs> Okay. We'll talk about that one offline, but, uh, (laughs) so, so, so Mikey, you've demonstrated by your longevity at your local church, um, a, a measure of resilience. Hmm. And, and I think, I think that I I want you to kind of talk about how you've remained resilient over the last 10 years, because I know that sometimes you don't feel that resilient. And I know that because of, you know, just the way you talk about things and, You've talked about how sometimes you come across as Eeyore and mm-hmm. downtrodden and whatnot, but you still maintained, you still carried on. So what's, what's been your secret sauce? Fear of change. <laughs> so you've stayed at your church because you have nothing better to do. I, I know we have members of your church that watch this show. So I hope you don't, I hope you don't tune in for today's episode. <laughs> no, number one is my wife. I mean, number one is I, I have number one, I have had no clear indication from the Lord God almighty that I should be anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been my number one, e- even with all my insecurities and all of that is I told God from day one, if you, and I tell him regularly, if you do not want me here at blessed hope church, you need to make it painstakingly clear that I need to do or be somewhere else. Um, and, and that just hasn't come. It just hasn't come, even in the midst of very difficult personal uh, encounters. And then biggest number two 
is a wife who talks me off the ledge um, and seeing where her heart is um, with the ministry. And then having outside confidants like yourself or other and mentors that I can kind of kind of get into. And then number four is in all honesty, being able to talk, you know, frankly with people in leadership in the church when I'm wrestling with whether or not the state of the church is my fault. And I had one, one person recently tell me, and, and I mostly agree, but they said, you are neither um, at fault for the success or failure of this church, because that is putting you to primary, mm-hmm. you know, that's giving you too much control. And where I, I think there are things that I can do that can negatively impact a church and that's on me 100 percent. at the end of the day it really is up to the lord to do with the church what he's going to do but yeah that's good uh, but it it, i'll be honest resiliency i I even have trouble thinking of myself as resilient because i carry around so many um regrets and uh and hurts and pains and and everything. So, uh, you know, I have trouble looking at myself as resilient. Um, but you know, here, here I stand slash sit. I can do no other. <laughs> okay. Luther, um, <laughs> taking Luther out of context. I, I, I love that. So <laughs> no, I think you, I, I mean, you should give yourself credit in, in that, you know, it's hard, you know, ministry's hard, life is hard, and and life is hard for everybody, right? So this isn't just to talk about pastoral resilience, but the ability to remain resilient in whatever part of life you're in. Um I I I did a little bit of looking at some psychology websites talking about, you know, how to build resilience and what resilience looks like. And and one of the things that one common theme was mindfulness and it was meaning reflecting on um, your current situation, your past situations. So looking at the past, present and future and and recognizing that whatever you're going through right now is only temporary. It really is only temporary. Um, and, And, and continuing through whatever it is you're going through, knowing that it's only for a season. It's only, and that season could be hours, days, or years. Um, you know, talking about Luther, he viewed, um, and I think rightly so, the trials and tribulations that a Christian goes through as a benefit to the Christian because it, it's a means by which God uses to grow us. Mm. So, so whatever, whatever that looks like, I, I think I've talked about this on the show. Um, so, so if I have, you just have to bear with me, but, um, you know, when I first got out of the army, which came with its own baggage, uh, that eight years I spent in the army, um, when, when I got out, we were homeless for like six months, man. And we we're bouncing between homes and whatnot. And I remember times where Robert and I would, would just sit there and go like, man, how could God have called us, you know, to where we're at now? And like, we got two kids. And we're having to we're having to live in houses that are already overcrowded, you know, with, with people. Like this is just, it wasn't it wasn't great. But it was through that that I think the Lord, um, you know, helped build Robin and I up even uh, in in our marriage, but also 
in our faith and trust in him. He's, mm-hmm. he has provided every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there was, you know, when I, when I think of resiliency, I think of a lot of the training that I went through in the army. So um, there was this time back, it was probably early 2011 and uh, our, our unit ju- had just gotten realigned into a new, like we had a new higher headquarters mm-hmm. and this higher headquarters is known as the 18th airborne Corps. Mm-hmm. The 18th airborne Corps is very storied and underneath mm-hmm. the 18th airborne Corps are a number of airborne units, airborne mm-hmm. units in the United States army. Um, you're trained uh, to be ready to deploy within 18 hours anywhere in the world. And you can be dropped from a military aircraft as low as 500 feet mm-hmm. um, in order to get to the drop zone. You can drop equipment, you can drop people and all that stuff. So we were a unit that was newly aligned, but they also have certain requirements, certain physical requirements. One of those uh, was now, now I want you to, I, I want to paint a picture for you. Have you ever seen um, like the uh, uh, in the army now with Polly Shore? Mm-hmm. And like, yep, yep. Um, the unit I was a part of was kind of like that. People were fat and out of shape. They they worked mostly sedentary jobs um, in the army. As far as those jobs can be sedentary, um, we essentially like this unit was kind of like the air force of the army. It it was just, it was not very um, combat ready in the sense of being able to um, defend itself with, with force. All right. It was a, it was a communications unit and, and mostly we supported other units, combat units. So you have a huge transition to being like super sedentary to now being aligned with a very fight first um, front lines type of mentality. One of the requirements um, to maintain or to be in that unit is you had you had to be able to do a ruck march in uh, of twelve miles with in three hours or less with uh, at least a minimum, depending on the qualification, at least seventy pounds of equipment uh, with you. So. Um, that uh, that is that's a pretty good clip, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Just knowing, and I was someone who really loved ruck marching when I was in the army. And it's one of the reasons why I'm probably so broken now physically. <laughs> there was um, <clears throat> we had a commander. You've seen Band of Brothers, right? Mm-hmm. So you remember Strobel, the guy who um, the character who played one of the dudes from Friends, that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a commander that was kind of like that guy. Everybody hated him because he had no idea what he was talking about. He was super like, he thought he was super tough guy army, but he wasn't. He mm-hmm. thought he was super tactical. He wasn't, but he wanted to lead like he was. So he, um, our, our, our big, big unit, um, had a ruck march. We had to qualify. Um, and we're going to do it and we're going to do it at a certain time and, and all this other stuff. Well, our, this commander that I'm talking about, he's our battalion commander, decided to not give anyone a heads up. So essentially, like I had already gotten home. Robin had a friend in town. Robin probably remembers this because I got home. um, I had already cracked open a beer, sat down and about to eat dinner. 
and all of a sudden get this phone call. You have 45 minutes to get to get to the unit. I live 20 minutes away. So I just stop immediately what I was doing, get back in uniform and get my ruck march, my, my, all my gear together to be able to do the ruck. So it wasn't until probably four hours after that, that we actually kicked off the ruck march. And um, cause we had to draw weapons. We had to wait for 100% accountability. Um, there were people show, showing up that were, like too drunk to drive. There were people like it was, it was a cluster and um, everybody's miserable, man. Like, I mean, this was one of the moments in my career in the army where I thought this is the dumbest thing I've ever had to do. And, and I've seen some pretty dumb stuff. So we kick off like four hours later, takes us a little bit more than three hours to complete it. And um, because we're doing it as a whole unit, which is not the way that that ruck march is supposed to be done for qualification. So for qualification, you essentially are set up like you go, you release uh, the ruckers, they go and then they return. Um, this this they did it uh, as the whole unit doing it all at once. So we weren't able to complete it in three hours. But one of the things that really sucked about that ruck march, that was the worst part. Forget about people you know, puking because they were drunk. Forget like being called in the middle of dinner. Forget that, you know, we're out until three o'clock in the morning and have to be back to work at 6.30. The worst part was we did not know the terrain. We did not know what the route was for this ruck march. So we, and you have no idea. Have I, have we marched a mile? Has it been two miles? Surely we're close, <laughs> you know, and all this other stuff. And you see people falling out, man. Um, I called it tiny heart syndrome when I was in the army. You could see that they did not have the fortitude to complete this ruck march because each time they thought we were going to turn back to where we were started, we went a different route and then a different route and a different route. And that has a psychological factor on people. And when you think the end is near, when you think you at least see where the exit is to where you'll be able to see the end of the tunnel, and then you skip past that, that exit, it messes with you. And there are people that can, that can handle that well, and there are people that are not. But there are people who can be trained in how to do it. Um, so... Luke is Luke's Luke's chiming in, but um, I just remember seeing all these people and seeing a lack of resilience in so many. And what I what I took away from that, what I took away from that ruck march, and in this really long story, is that <laughs> um, you have to build resilience so that when things that really suck come along, you can you can get through it. Hmm. So the ways I got through that. You know, one, it helped that I was in, you know, um, really, I was in good shape at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and we had done some of those types of things. Well, actually, we'd done things like that, but under better circumstances when I was with my previous unit, because it was very combat oriented. Um, but I had gone through so much in the army that I had built up a tolerance to suck. And a lot of other, you know, guys and gals had not gone through that. But a huge part of it was the people around you. 
Mm-hmm. So, so you could, you could either be sitting there talking about how bad it sucks. And I talk to my kids about this all the time. Like you can complain about how bad and how awful something is, or you can just power through it and find ways to motivate yourself to get through the tough parts. And that's why I think we all need someone or some mm. people who are going to be hype men. You need a flavor flav. Um, you need, uh, you need someone who can pump you up and tell you that you can, you need someone like a Barnabas who's going to encourage mm-hmm. um, because you can be your own work and you can be, that for other people. And you can find that within yourself too, pumping yourself up, realizing what you've already done, man, we've already gone this far over the last, what seems like a couple of hours. Surely. I mean, we're going to get there. We've already done this. We can do even more. Um, so you look at the situation in which you find yourself and you go, whatever suck I'm in right now, it's only temporary. It can, it's only, uh, it might get worse before it gets better. But in, you know, over the horizon, there will be something better. Hmm. Well said. Well said. No. <coughs> Excuse me. No, you're absolutely right. And that's why, you know, out, you know, my listing of what brings me resilience or even motivation is the people around me that I've, you know, s- surrounded me, you know, and it's often what I found over the past 11 years is there are some people that want to be your hype man or Mm. want to be in that position um, that really shouldn't be. And I had to learn the hard way of just allowing people that type of access into Mm. being my mentor, Mm. you know, because I wanted to be a nice guy. I wanted to be approachable. I wanted to take, you know, you know, seasoned people's viewpoints and, you know, they, they, you know, but at the end of the day, if you just let anybody have that, it can actually be damaging. And so you have to be wise about who you allow to help you with resilience. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. But, but no, as you were, as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, you know, the Barnabas and everything. And I was talking to Erica about this the other day. And I said, I, you know, I appreciate pastoral appreciation. I appreciate getting cards, you know, oh, you're the best pastor ever. You know, we, we appreciate the pastor and his family, yada, yada, yada. But oftentimes what you don't find in those letters or those cards are specifics. You know, and, and, and that's where after 11 years, now I'm starting to be like, okay, you know, you appreciate me or my family or you appreciate this person but i want to know what exactly for okay so so the, you know and you're not going to ask this of kids necessarily i would ask this of grown-ups but okay you send you're the best pastor ever oh that's great what do you see me doing or quantifier me yeah quantifier. What, what makes yeah. me the best pastor ever you know what what well, are you seeing to label that or or i pre like you don't they don't say i appreciate you for you know most of the time it's because you, you you're a great preacher teacher and i'm like okay uh, okay but but outside of that we'll get let's get specific and i think that's more motivating when you when you drill down to just the the general platitudes but the what do you appreciate this person for specifically you know mm-hmm. whether it's a story whether it's an attribute uh you know i find that more motivating than 
um, than just general, oh, he's a good guy. Well, what does it mean to be a good right. guy? Exactly. And, yeah, I'm with you, man. Like, I also, I don't like the, uh, so <laughs> I don't know if I'm, if I'm stupid or not, but like, I hate it when my, to receive things like, Oh, you're the best dad ever like that. Uh, so a few years ago I told Robin, I told the kids like, don't get me anything that says best dad ever. Like I, I'm not the best dad ever. Mm -hmm. Like to, to say I'm the best dad ever is to say that I am better than every other father in history. That is just, I do not believe that. Mm -hmm. uh, I might be a good dad. There's an outside chance I could be a great dad. I mean, other dads are kind of lowering the curve a little bit. Um, so I don't need empty like phrases to make me feel good or, or better or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So they bought me a coffee mug for, <laughs> for uh, Father's Day a couple of years ago that said, I love you, dad. Instead of instead of best dad ever or whatnot. So I think I think it's important to quantify things. Like if someone were to ask you, why do you love your wife? Which is maybe the most feared question that every husband has. Um, because now you have to quantify your love for so what is it about your wife that you love? What what who what is it that she does or who she is? Like give me a, an example, a quantifiable reason as to why. Um, because love, as we see in the scripture, isn't just an affection. Um, it is also an action. So um, I feel the same way about, you know, I, I do appreciate when people say pastor, good sermon, pastor, you know, what, but like I, especially when you come down from the pulpit and you think like, man, that's, that was, that was not great. Um, that just wasn't good. And someone goes, man, great sermon. You go, well, what the heck was great about it? Like, tell me. And, and I'm not so like, I'm not so full of myself that I think that the Lord can't use my, my uh, fallible sermon writing in, in a bill in, in communication. Like he will communicate what he needs to communicate and desires to communicate, whether it's me or somebody else and whether or not I'm well-prepared or ill-prepared. Um, but what is it exactly? How ha how has God used me to speak mm -hmm. to you? Um, because that would be incredibly encouraging. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and that's where that's where it's more helpful. I find Wh whether it's for for pastors or anybody, you know, specifically share times, instances, or takeaways that you've had that have impacted you by that person. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, um, I think I've showed it on this this. Uh, uh, showed this to you guys, but I have a coffee mug from a couple friends that I married and they got me a mug that has a funny facial expression picture that I have. And on the back, it says world's okayest wedding officiant. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like it's not, I'm not the best, uh, you know, best pastor ever. I can categorically tell you that is false. I am mm -hmm. not the best. Just like I agree with you. I am not the best father um, to ever exist or nor will I probably ever be. Um, and that's okay. But at the same time, I'm probably better than some others. For sure. Know? But, but, but the, the, the over the top encouragement, you know, and that's why I, I would much prefer a, a card or a letter that listed one, two, maybe three things specific 
that they saw. And, and that's what I would uh, encourage that I would prefer to do for somebody like list off two or three. For example, we had a, a little friends giving type of thing on Thanksgiving day. And we were kind of all sitting around watching the football game and also chatting in the living room. And someone was like, we should play a game or, or something. And this one person jokingly said, we should go around and say one thing we're thankful for, for each person in the room. And they were saying it jokingly because they knew how uncomfortable it would be for some people in the rooms, most specifically my wife. And everyone was like, no, no, no. And I'm like, darn it, I'm going to do it. And I went and I said one thing, whether it was a good, whether it was helpful or appreciated or not, I didn't care. But I went through and I said one thing specifically I was thankful for, for each person in that room. And I was the only one to do it. Because at the same time, I want to be sure that I, I can articulate, even if it's, even if they think my, the reason I'm thankful for them is dumb, um, that I articulated one thing that I'm thankful for, for, for each person in the room. So I think, so to build resilience, maybe spending some time in prayer and in thankfulness, yeah. like thanking, thanking God for very specific things in your life. Um, and, and, and that helps you remember what God has already done, because one of the greatest indications of God's faithfulness in his future promises is looking back towards his previous promises that have already come to fruition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and seeing Nathaniel's comment, but you're the pastor God intends for your congregation on down the road. And, and I 100% agree with the husband and the, and the father type of thing, but, um, I always wrestle with the pastor God intends for your congregation by the number of times pastors change pastorates. Like, how do you discern when you're not the pastor for that congregation anymore? When you leave. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know, exactly. Like, yeah. like it, that, that's a different category in, in my mind. But I, I, I get and I take take what he's saying for, for its face value. But I push back yeah. a little bit on yeah. there that that's a bit more subjective. Mike, here's here's a couple other ways that you can build that we can build resilience. Okay, mm -hmm. one is avoiding negative outlets. So when you are going through some kind of adversity or arduous circumstance, um, that can be the time that you often most throw yourself into things like alcohol, drugs, um, could be pornography, could be all kinds of things. Um, uh, but it's also it, it could be a place in which you hand yourself over to negative relationships or negative groups. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like you I I know the friends I can go to to say, hey, am I acting like a rear end or mm -hmm. not? I need your honest opinion. And I know the people that I can go to who are simply just going to affirm my feelings who are just going to simply like they're not going to call me out. They're not going to be honest with me. Um so, so it's important to find out, um, it, it's important to find out who those people are, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and withdraw from those who are going to be negative and they could be very good influences in other ways. They could be family members and friends that you care deeply about, but when you're going through hard stuff, um, maybe it's personal struggles or struggling with other relationships, whatever it might be. Um, don't go to the people who are just going to pile on. Go to the people who can build up. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that can also include social media. Um, there are times that, that 
I've at least withdrawn from social media because I just couldn't deal with the negativity. It was just compounding whatever negative feelings I was already feeling. Secondly, um, help other people. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no better way, I think, to um, get through difficult times than helping other people in whatever difficult times they might. And and maybe they're not in difficult times. Maybe you have a friend who, uh, let's just say, you know, uh, let's just say you were having financial trouble and you got a friend that's rich. They live in a $3 million mansion, um, but they need help raking their lawn because uh, the reason they're, they're rich is they don't spend stupid money on stupid things. So they've saved it and they could buy their $3 million house, um, but they need help raking up their leaves. Man, go help them. I mean, what, I mean, what greater joy can there be than helping people um, when they need it? Um, that can be something that helps build resilience. So um, going back to my Ruck March example, um, did I feel sorry for myself? Bruh, I felt so far sorry for myself at certain points of that Ruck March. But you know what? I, I dug deep and I looked at the people around me who were also feeling sorry for themselves and said, this isn't helping. And I encouraged them in any way that I could. Hey, man, we got this. Listen, uh, yeah, this sucks. Embrace the suck. Of course it sucks. And, like, you joke about it. You laugh about it. And you just say, listen, we're, we're going to get through this together. Like, you can't quit. That you, The Army is, like, the one of the few jobs in the whole world that you can get arrested for not doing your job. Like, that you can literally get arrested. You can lose. They can. It, it's, it's insane. So, if. If they tell you you're going to keep marching, you got to mm. keep marching, period, full stop. So mm. let's go. Let's keep going, man. And, w- and when you do that, it's like a snowball effect, but in a positive way. And, 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 and when you do that, it affects, it affects everything that you do. So like if you're, if you're in a church that has seen a lot of decline, maybe you've struggled through the pandemic because the pandemic vaccines and whatnot have been a divisive issue, whatever that might be. Um, you know, look at the people who've stayed, look at those who, who are, who are to your left and to your right and look at how you can encourage them. And, and that will have a snowball effect and create some more positivity. And, and you'll see the Lord provide by his grace and mercy, a, a sense of comfort and joy among the saints. Mm-hmm. I agree. Sorry, I got to look at my phone. I just got a text message about COVID. Oh, who, who do you, who has to, do you have to shut down your worship service this Sunday? Uh, Mike, uh, not that kind of COVID announcement, but even if it were, I'm not Mike Alex. I'm not going to release privileged information live on air (laughs) before having conversations with other people. So, yeah. I, and by the way, I have alerted others that of my plans concerning the Berkshire board. So that That's wasn't good. new. Good. So uh, anything else, Mike? No. I'm feeling motivated. Are you? Motivated to get more work done. So, so I, I, you laughed at me when I said this before we came on air. Here's one way that I got mo- that I get motivated sometimes is I get on Spotify 
and I look up some army cadence playlists, like cadences that you sing while you're running and all that stuff. And uh, uh, be careful. Uh, some of the stuff has some sensitive language and sensitive topics. I mean, it's a profession geared towards killing people. Um, so you got to imagine that on occasion or maybe more often than occasionally sensitive topics and sensitive language gets uh, placed in those songs. But um, it always motivates me, man. Always mm. gets me going. So I'm ready, man. I'm ready. I'm, I'm motivated. So <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. All right. Well, if, uh, if nothing else, Hey, this is the last episode that we're doing, uh, through 2021. Uh, we will be back next year, uh, in 2022, which is only a few weeks away, um, with some more Bible and banter. So we appreciate you guys listening this year. We are thankful for you and your continued support. Uh, we love you and, uh, have a very Merry Christmas. <laughs>